Hey Demila Falterov, you're listening to the 16th Man GA podcast here with Pundit Arena. I'm Brian Barry, joined by Joel Slattery. Plenty to get through as always. Um, first of all, we're going to look at the Alliance National Football League action. Uh, look closely at Kildare, particularly in light of Tommaso O'Shea's comments on the Sunday game last night. We'll hear from uh, their manager, Keane O'Neill, what he said after the game. We'll be looking at uh, Donegal as well, who went down fighting to Dublin in Crow Park on Saturday night, along with all the league action. In the hurling, we're going to look at the All-Ireland Club semi-finals. Kula and Napierschig winning through as predicted, but it wasn't all plain sailing for the Limerick team. And we'll be breaking down, looking at the anatomy of a wonder goal, uh, Shane Dowling's second half strike that helped down the Derry side. But first, Joel, we're going to start with Tomás O'Shea's comments on Kildare last night. He described them clueless as clueless and naive, um, suggesting that... If they're the second best team in Leinster, that's a sad indictment on the province, saying that they're perhaps moving backwards, they've lost a lot of games in a row, that they're really just a bit directionless. Whereas Keane O'Neill, after the game, stressed that they're still moving in the right direction. They're, they came up from Division 3, playing with the likes of Wexford and Offaly. They were kind of in that mix in Leinster. Now they're clearing the way the second best team in Leinster, as of last year anyway. And he was suggesting that maybe they're just... They're not there yet, but they're getting there essentially. Yeah, I thought Tomas was a bit harsh on him now last night, to be honest. Um, it was a, a Matty Donnelly wonder point in the sixth minute of injury time that actually won the game. Had that knock gone over, had it been blocked or gone wide, Kildare would have had a draw against last year's beaten semi finalist in the country. So uh, to kind of to be so harsh on him is a bit over the top. Um, they are number two in Leinster. It's not their fault. They're so far ahead of their offlies in Wexfords now. Uh, it's not their fault so far behind Dublin to a lesser extent. We saw a few weeks ago they put it up to the Dubs for 40-45 minutes. And look, it's still only February. It's the 12th of February. They're, they're getting better. They're getting better every week. They're not quite the finished article yet. But look, they are, they're worth their place in Division 1. So I did think that criticism was a small bit, small bit over the top. I think they're somewhat top-heavy at the moment, straight out. Looking at them, there's arguably the Liverpool of Gaelic football you know they're, they've got this stunning attack you know Daniel Flynn Paddy Brophy Kevin Feely knocking over freeze Paul Cribben these are guys who'd challenge to get on any team in the country whereas they're just leaking too many scores for instance yesterday the full-time score was 18 points they scored they lost it was 116 to 18 points 18 points isn't a bad tally especially in those conditions they're putting up big scores against most teams but they're just getting outgunned essentially um i was down in newbridge myself heard uh, spoke to keen o'neill after the game and although he was clear that he was disappointed he did uh, note i suppose that they're on the right path it's, it's cruel um to be fair to the lads i think it has to be noted that they put in a massive shift today they, they worked their backsides off and even when things were going against them in the second half, did we go down two at one stage? Uh, do you know, in, in previous weeks or years, even that could have been four or five very quickly, to be fair to them. Same with the response to the goal, they didn't let it affect them. So I'm very proud of the lads, I'm very, very proud of the lads and the work and the shift they put in today. Um, sometimes you just need a little bit of luck and that's something that hasn't been on our side recently, you know. The things we wanted to improve upon from last week, I, I think we have improved upon them. We still have a little bit more to go. Um, we can see the goal before half time again, and that, that hurt us. It hurt us last week, it hurt us this week. Um, do you know, our shooting has improved. We could still be a little bit more clinical. So, I mean, the graph from a performance perspective, which 
ultimately long term is the most important thing is definitely on the on an upward trend. Um, we're, we're just you know we're just not getting enough scores on the board. That match could have went either way. I think you both you'd all agree. Um, just a couple of things went against us, and some of them weren't our fault, unfortunately. And they're defined margins. Yeah. They're winless from three games, Joel. Like okay, we've praised them a bit. We've kind of shot back at Tomas's criticisms of them, but the fact of the matter is. It's three losses from three, and they're up against it now, f- facing a real fight to stay up in Division One. Yeah, it was. It's a debate we've had on the show. I suppose even as far back as last year, like, are you better off playing in Division One and losing games, or playing weaker opposition down the divisions and winning? I think, as far as this Kildare team is concerned, they want to take that next step. They want to be one of the big boys, and the only way you can do that is by taking them on, stepping up to the plate. It's not gone well from so far this year, but look. And even if they lose a few more games and get relegated, they will know by Easter, like, this is the standard required. This is what we have to do if we want to be at the level of your Tyrones, of your Mayos, of your Dublins. I couldn't agree more with you because after last year, after they lost to Dublin in the Leinster final, everybody was saying, OK, they'll go out and they'll regroup and they'll be back in an All-Ireland quarter final. They got caught in the hop then by a good Armagh team. Like, playing week in, week out against your teams like Galway, Monaghan, Dublin, Donegal, Mayo... You're going to be tested and, you know, such a quick turnaround against games. OK, they're losing tight games. They lost to Dublin by seven um, in Crow Park, losing to the Dubs. OK, that's pretty much the toughest fixture in Gaelic football. But going down to Monaghan by a point, going down to Tyrone by a point, they're not terrible results in and as themselves. They just need to start picking up points. Next up, they're heading up to Donegal to Ballyshannon yeah, in two weeks' time to take on... Uh, Declan Bonner's team are also winless. I suppose it's all about building for the summer, really, isn't it? And Kildare team, they're probably on the edge. When you look at the Super 8s, you know Dublin are going to be there. Kerry are probably going to be there, teams like that. It's teams 7 and 8, and they probably will be just there, thereabouts. The balance teams like Kildare, and they'll want to be shooting to get in there. Yeah, they get as far as they can in Leinster, obviously, get you further in the qualifiers. And when it gets to those qualifiers playing in, bring anyone else to Newbridge so Toronto needed the last kick of the game you bring some of those lesser teams to Newbridge and Kildare will be a formidable opposition Sure absolutely um, And so they're at the foot of the table in Division 1 alongside Donegal who went to uh, Crow Park on Saturday evening really put it up to the All-Ireland Champions especially in the second half at half time they were down a few points Dublin were in second gear um, Donegal had missed a good goal chance just on the stroke of half time it looked like that was it that was their chance to get back into the game all of a sudden they just kicked on in the second half getting it into Paddy McBearty who slung over a few ridiculous points with his left peg uh, Michael Murphy came on to a huge cheer it was a bit of a strange one throwing him in straight as free taker and he put it wide he didn't have a great game I think he kicked three wides and one short like of course, he was a bit rusty. Uh, Declan Bonner said after the game that it was always their plan to give him 15 minutes. But overall, sure, I know moral victories won't get you points on the board, but it was a moral victory and there were plenty of positives for Donegal. Yeah, unfortunately for for the management, Joe, being on Michael Murphy, it, it might do him good in the long term. They need him on the pitch. They need him playing at the, the level we know he can get to. But in terms of just Saturday night's game, kind of just on, as an isolated level, it, it didn't help them win. He wasn't on top form. Um, it's when I suppose the manager has to put up his hands and say it didn't work out in the night. Um, obviously, that, that first three, had it gone over, 
He could have had a great game. It would have been a master stroke. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Um, I've actually been impressed with Dublin, to be honest. Kind of a bit later starting than the other teams because they, they had the team holiday and all that. But they've just shown, I suppose, that kind of passion. Or people kind of criticise them for being kind of just almost this robotic. They just do their do their thing, win their matches. But they've shown great spirit and, you know, just... They love to go out there and just win games of football, no matter who they're playing, no matter what time of the year it is. And they've shown over the last three or four weeks why they're so hard to beat in September because of just this dogged determination to win games in February. Sure. I think um, the main man for me, once again, here, look, this, this young guy, I don't know if anyone's heard of him, Brian Fenton, but... I think he was just absolutely superb in that game. He scored two points, but absolutely just fired them over. Especially at halftime, it was you were thinking if Donegal are going to get back into this, they're going to need to do it now. What happens? The ball referee throws in the ball. Michael Darren McCauley touches it down, and Fenton collects it, runs straight up, and fires it over the bar in the hill sixteen. And uh, Donegal did come back at them. Now proved to be they couldn't drag it level, but he was just he was there throughout. I think he's just different gravy. Oh yeah, fantastic, fantastic performance from him as well. Um, I think it's always tough to pick out an individual for Dublin because their whole team is so impressive. But yeah, he he's definitely one that later in the year the opposition managers have to come up with a plan specifically or how do we stop him because he he just the middle of so much of the good stuff that this Dublin team do. Sure, we did hear from a disappointed Declan Bonner after the game in Crow Park. Ah, disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we you know we. We definitely deserve probably something to, to carry a match in the Galway game. You know, we just uh, had chances, didn't take them. Same in the second half this evening, we, we had our chances. Uh, we played well in the second half. I think we at one stage, we, had eight, we kicked out eight points to three. And uh, we had a couple of opportunities that we didn't take. Missed a few opportunities and dropped a few short. And against a team with Dublin's quality, you're going to be punished. And we were. So disappointed that we didn't get a result. You know. In the first half, it was. Yeah, we were slightly maybe playing, we were playing within ourselves, we just maybe uh, stood back a bit from Dublin, but you know, what, before half-time, it might have been four points and we had the crossbar, and uh, Jamie had a good, it was a good goal, uh, a good opportunity, and uh, he'd done everything right, but put it in the, in the back of the net, doubling down the field, and all of a sudden, you're going in half-time, you know, instead of maybe one or two points, or six points, but we knew there wasn't much in it in, in, in the first half, and we knew we had to go in the second half, and we did. Um, and that was uh, the second half has to be positive, but yeah, we have no points. Simple as that's the bottom line, you know. Listen, we have four matches left. They're all, I mean, they're all big matches for us. Prior to to the league campaign, I knew we were going to be very, very short in terms of experience. Uh, we have a lot of young lads that have, that have come up and, and and you know have shown that they're capable of playing now at this level. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough. Yeah, we wanted to stay in Division One, but it's not going to be the, it's not going to be the be all and end all if we don't. You know, the championship is always going to be the priority, and you know, we're, uh, you know, we, we, we're looking towards Ulster, and that starts in May. But we're building bit by bit, and uh, you know, we're trying to change the way we're playing, and that that changing game plans takes time. And uh, but you know, they're getting there, and as I said, that second half performance will, will, will definitely give you encouragement leaving leaving Crow Park this evening. Another player who featured uh, for Jim Gavin's Dublin team in that game was Brian Howard at wing forward. Uh, Howard made a few headlines during the week in that he didn't play for DIT in the Sigerson Cup. Jim Gavin, we're going to hear from him first before we discuss it ourselves. He distanced himself from the call and then went on to say that 
or questioned whether it's sustainable or not and gave his own solution to problems with Fitzgibbon clashing with National Football League and the pre-season tournaments? I've always said to the players that um, you know, their life is, is, is defined by the choices they make, whether that professionally, academically or sport. And, you know, it's a, I've addressed a room of grown men and you know, they simply make their decisions what they feel is best for their either professional, academic or sporting careers. Simple as that. But my 11th um, January, February season, but, you know, being at the 21s for that period of time since I took over in 06, but obviously 07, January 07 uh, and up to, up to now, that's, that, yeah, that is 11 years. And um, it's, it's, it's the, same. the same issues come up every January about, and February about Fitzgibbon and, and Sigerson and Trench Cup. And um, as I said before, it's, it is, I'm surprised that we're still playing National Football League games in, in, in the last week in January and the first week in February. There's no need for it. That, I think Sigerson and Fitzgibbon are very important competitions. Um, I think it's a great competition. I've been an, an advocate for, for advocate for a long time. Uh, you can't play before the Christmas break because of exams, and that's the most important thing for uh, for students to get their exams. And they do some some universities and third level institutes do have exams post Christmas or nearly January. So the best time to play it is in in, in the calendar, and it needs to be given space. So it's simply a matter of just pushing back the, the National Football League games at the hurling. Um, it's a simple solution, but uh, I don't think anybody's listening. Joel, is there any future in these Sigerson Cups if they're going to be clashing with the National Leagues? We see some of the top players playing, I suppose, six games in three weeks or so to speak. You know, you look at some of the best players who are playing. Uh, it was down at um, UCC against NUIG last week. Damien Comer putting in a man-of-the-match performance. Well, not in that game, sorry, he was in Mayo Galway, which we're going to speak about, but he was every ball was going to him. You know, NUIG were playing through him. That was sandwiched in between uh, two weeks for Galway. He can't be the main man for every team and playing with such regularity. Yeah, it's tough, I suppose, this year as well with the um, condensing the calendar, playing your seven national football league games in eight or nine weeks, so condensing the hurling in a similar way. It makes these competitions very tough. It's something we've definitely seen this year. I suppose it's one of the um, one of the unintended consequences of the new calendar. Was it, it makes these tournaments very tough to do. Um, mm-hmm. Something we've seen as well with the actual Sigerson and Fitzgibbon Cups is they're playing more matches at weekends and playing more matches under lights. Obviously for the for the academic reasons and those kind of two or three factors all together, just they're not mixing. It's making it tougher for the players and obviously they're they're the most important people in this. Sure, and we're going to look at the other Division 1 game we saw this weekend now was Galway's win over Mayo and Pierce Stadium. No love lost between these two teams, Galway coming out on top one, thirteen to 11 points. I don't think there's going to be alarm bells ringing in Mayo. They've had lulls during the league before, like even last year. It was around this time last year they got absolutely hammered out the gate in Croke Park by Dublin. People were writing them off. We're not going to write off Mayo here. But what we are going to do is talk about Galway because all of a sudden, having come up from Division 2 last year, they're three wins from three in Division 1. We spoke already on the show this year about the need for them to get a bit of consistency against top teams instead of producing one-off performances. All of a sudden, over the last three weeks, they beat Tyrone at home and Toome, 198 points. They go up to Galway to Letterkenny to beat Donegal, 112 to 14 and then they beat Mayo at home which is always going to be have an extra edge given the Connacht rivalry there like they're going toe-to-toe with these top teams and they're beating them in tight games yeah and so the 
bit of a feisty encounter as well. Um, I was very disappointed with Mayo at the end. Uh, like once there was eight minutes added on, they really should have gone. Oh, this is this we're back in this game now. Do you know what? We have a great chance to knock off knock off a few scores here. But um, I don't know that they seem to kind of almost accept defeat against Galway, which is a very strange thing to see. But um, yeah, to, obviously Galway would be delighted with another win, especially a win against Mayo. That's a couple of wins in a row against them now as well. So that's always it's always an added bonus. Sure, just looking down the few tables now, uh, Cork and Down are now making the running in Division 2. Uh, Cork, despite losing their the first day out to Tipperary, are on top with four points. It's incredibly tight there. They're joined top of the table with Down, but then there's this cluster of four teams who are all on three points, having picked up a win and a draw piece. Mead, Cavan, Tipperary, Roscommon, Clare on two points, and Loud, who are looking like the whipping boys at the moment, a uh, points difference of minus 26 after three matches currently pointless um Claire and Tip drew yesterday Cork accounted for loud but down they went down to Roscommon and they won that wasn't a win many were expecting no oh, fantastic result for down as well it puts them right in the promotion mix as well um something's well I suppose to keep in mind Mead and Cavan was postponed at the weekend they'll have to play off again so obviously one of them one of those two teams will join down and Cork at the top of the table and there might be a bit of separation then between those three and the rest going into the second half of the campaign. But um, very impressed with Cork. I saw them in the first game against Tipperary and Parky Cueve, and they were really poor. They were really disappointing. And um, seeing them come back now with two wins in a row, that job, they must be absolutely delighted. Ronald McCarthy's obviously done a good job there in the last few weeks. But uh, yeah, very, very interesting division, that is. Uh, sure, obviously Cork with uh, the Nemo Rangers players to come back as well. They're playing... Um against Schlock Neil, uh, not this weekend coming, but the following week. So potentially, I suppose, well, of course, everybody in Cork football will be shouting for Nemo, but it wouldn't be the worst thing to the inter-county team should they lose to Schlock Neil and those players come back. Down in Division 3, then, Armagh set in the pace. They lost out last year um, to late Michael Quinlan goal. Uh, they missed out in the final and obviously relegate or promotion as well, I should say. They're making no mistakes this year three wins from three points differential of plus 24 Kieran McGinney said after the game that he was quite disappointed with how they played against Longford that they were missing chances but a win is a win is a win yeah you, you felt this was a tough one as well Longford away from home tough conditions it was I suppose the banana skin that uh, Tipperary and Simple Stadium was for them last year they only led once at the very end of the game I know the Longford manager was giving out about a few refereeing decisions but um yeah, good win for Armagh, all the same. Kind of the, the thing is for them, they are the best team on paper in this division, but they are almost on a pedestal. Every team wants to be the team to beat Armagh, so they have to be obviously careful in the last four games, but um, so far, so good. Sure, absolutely. Then finally in Division 4, there were wins for Carlo, uh, Leash, and there were draws then between London and Limerick and Antrim and Wicklow. We're moving over to the small ball now. And it's going to start with Napiershik's win over Schlock Neil. I was at the game in Parnell Park myself, and it was straight out, it was a fascinating game. We said that Schlock Neil were going to put it up to them. We didn't know just how much. Napiershik were 1 to 50 on with the bookies, and that was probably a bit ridiculous, even though it came true. Um, Schlock Neil were plus 12 as well in a handicap. They absolutely smashed that anyway, and there was a serious upset on the cards when they were goal up at half time. What really kind of changed the complexion of the game, I suppose, was 
not only the two red cards to Napierschik, but also before that, before red card was given, Napierschik came out onto the field, fired up, looked a new team, scored two or three points in a row. I think it was three points in a row before there was a red card given. Like, of course, Schlockneil level 25 minutes to go odd and two men up have to see out a game of hurling like that which they didn't but and they flopped in the second half I think they only scored 1-2 after the break but at the same time it said a lot about Nipirshik's character as well yeah that that was I think the standout feature for the last 25 minutes was um just the character Nipirshik showed the uh the experienced players really stepped up to the plate Shane Dowling came on one of his first actions was to give away a silly free but after that he, it was incredible performance in the air. He's, has, he's hassling, he's harrying, and obviously that goal, which was one of the best strikes we're going to see this year, I think. Sure, we're going to break that down in a few moments. Um, the other thing about Napierschik is that they're finishing strong. They finished the Munster final against Ballygunner very strong, and they finished uh, here against Schlockneil quite strong as well. Is it something, are they fitter? Are they just do they out hurl teams and it takes its toll? What what's the difference here? I, I think it's just the, the quality of hurling they have all over the pitch. You know, it's they're not depending on one or two players. It's it's almost a different player every time they go out there. And to be said, Shane Dowling came on was very well. Kevin Downs played very well. Joe, Peter Casey was a bit quieter on Saturday, but he could be the man on St Patrick's Day. It's it's always someone different almost every game. So. That, that takes a bit more pressure off the rest. You know, you've run in Lynch in midfield, scored 14 points, I think it was. William O'Donoghue just put in so much work in the middle of the park as well. Two Dempsey's, you know, they've so many good players, it's almost that, like, they're all bound to have 10 or 15 minutes where they hit into form. Sure. I did catch up with Ronan Lynch after the game, who did score 14 points, as you mentioned, but he uh, was full of credit for his teammates. Yeah, fantastic win now, in fairness. You know, that's the most important thing at the end of the day, to become here semi-finals there for winning. You know, I don't think if we, if we go, when you go on playing a final like that, semi-final performances kind of go out the window, really. It's just about getting to the final and getting there on a big day. That was the main thing, and we got there today. Was there a panic at half-time or after, even when you went down to 13 men? No, 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 no. I don't think, like, it, it was, I, I'd be lying, Chaff, I told you, it wasn't a blow. You know, I remember when the second red card came, it, it, was a, it was a little bit of a sucker punch. But I don't think there was ever any panic at any stage. You know, I, I think that's, at the end of the day, that's a one of us. You know, we have so many fellas that are, have so much experience in big games. You know, like, we had the luxury of bringing on Shane Dowling, like, who's one of the most experienced inter-county players around at the moment. Like, so, you know, that's a huge plus to us. And I think that's what won us the game at the end of the day, that we didn't panic when we got those knocks. Sure, and I suppose any pressure? Did you feel a lot of pressure on those frees, even when you were putting daylight between the sides after Kevin and Shane's goals? I know. I, like, I'm, I'm well used to take As much as Shane is used to taking frees, and he's our number one free taker regularly. He's he's obviously a super free taker at inter county living and everything. But I've taken frees for club teams and county teams up along as well. I, I'm I'm very much comfortable on him and I like taking him. I like that. I like the pressure freeze and I like. I know I've taken missed a penalty like, but sure look, I scored a couple of them as well. But I I I, I was comfortable over him and thank God more of them went over than I missed. So and, uh, Shane was just telling us a few moments ago last week he didn't think he was gonna be able to play at all. He came on and scored that cracker of a goal. Yeah, I was class. I remember in I was smiling when he scored it. It was something else. You know, Shane has that in his locker, like that he's capable of doing things that other fellas can't do. You know, he just has a he's a serious touch and he thinks about things that other fellas wouldn't think of doing. You know, and that deflected over his head and buried the top corner. Like you know, there was no one else in the pitch that would have done that. You know, but in fairness to him, he came on and did a huge job for us today. I don't think I don't think he was probably even ready for today. Really, but in fairness to him, he came on and did a great job for us. Back to Crow Park now, All Ireland final. Good ring to it. 
unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, that's what I was saying to the lads there. It's it's what every club player dreams of doing, and for us, we're, we're spoiled really that we have we have another crack at it, and we can go there again and, and fancy our chances to go and, and win another All Ireland. Like, you know, I, I, you know, they don't call it the toughest for nothing. You know, to get into a final like that, you have to earn it. Like, and we we really earned it today. And the next day is going to be another huge battle, the same as that. You know, so when you get to this kind of stage, a semi final or a final of a club championship, it's not really the players you have or the, the skill that you have. It's just whoever wants it more. And at this stage, it's going to be whoever wants it the most. And he did mention Shane Dowling's wonder goal there, and we're going to have to discuss that. Um, the goalkeeper, the Schlockneil goalkeeper, who did, uh, has to be said, he did make a brilliant save on uh, the penalty. It was Ronan Lynch's penalty earlier in the game. He came out, um, Ushi O'Doherty, his name is, came out, he got blocked down, O'Neill blocked it down. The way it, the kind of ball ricocheted, it spilled out. If you haven't seen it already or you're living under a rock, go see it. He spilled out, flicked it over defender's head. But by the time that the flick, the ball was coming back down to earth, there were bodies in the way and it didn't look like he was going to score. Then he just comes out with an outrageous volley and almost burst the net. Best goal, like, I saw a few claims saying it was one of the best goals of all time and certainly a contender for goal of the season. Just how good was it? Um, I don't think it's the best goal of all time, but certainly you'll uh, go a long way to see a strike like that. You mentioned Joe, the skill with the block at the very start, you know, it wasn't put on the plate for him. He had to do all the hard work himself, which obviously adds to it. Click the pass to the defender and then the strike. You know, Shane Dowling is as pure a strike of the ball, I think, as there is almost in the whole country. Even if you see him when he takes freeze, he hits the ball so hard. So, um, obviously, I know the defender will go back on the line, but it, no chance of stopping it. It really was a fantastic strike. Sure, some slap of the ball. Uh, I did hear from the man himself, the man of the moment after the game, and he described the goal. It was great, listen, uh, we, we needed something to happen, whether it was from me or from someone else. It was great, just to block it, sorry, just to get the block in. You know, but you need a bit of luck as well. The ball is probably a millimetre from hitting the crossbar. Uh, but we got that bit of luck today, and I said we needed it, and uh, I suppose, listen. If you were in Parnell Park and a complete newbie to hurling, and you got told one of these teams is from a county with realistic ambitions of winning the Liam McCarthy, and the other one is a team who... Their county team was from a county whose county team got hammered by Donegal in the league last week. You wouldn't know which is which. Straight out, Schlockneil were so impressive. And it was just a ball work, really, that like their touch was in, their skill was in, their physicality was in, their mentality was in. They went out and they played hurl and went toe-to-toe with one of the best, arguably, well, perhaps the best we'll see on St. Patrick's Day, the best club team in the country. And they looked at home. Like they obviously put a lot more emphasis on their hurling than they did this t- this time last year because they were so improved from that cooler game. Like it's it's great to see, and it just goes to show that teams from the weaker counties or the perceived weaker counties can compete. And please God, like a team like Schlockneil will be back again because it's great for hurling and it'd be great for Derry hurling as a whole. Yeah, it, it is good for Derry hurling, but I suppose the, the only thing is, without being too disrespectful, I'm not sure how um how strong that Derry Championship is. In 2015, you had eight teams in the Senior Championship. This year, there was only six. So I think as a whole, Derry Hurling is probably struggling. You mentioned that Tony Gall result. Um, as long as they're not having Schlockneil papering over the cracks, if they use that as a starting point, they, they can start improving and get back to... Joe, as good. Like Ulster teams can compete. We saw Antrim maybe so 10 years ago now when they were when they played Cork and gave Cork a right scare. But... Um, 
yeah, there, there's a lot of work has to be done in those counties. And um, look, it is great for Slackneil that they are doing well, they are competing. But um, it, unfortunately, they, we mentioned it earlier, level with 25 minutes to go playing against 13 men, you feel they have to get that done. And it's supposed to, to take that next step. They have to learn from that experience and jump next year, get back there again, and then try and take that next step. Sure, absolutely. And on that note, we did speak to, or hear from, I should say, uh, my manager Michael McShane after the game, who did vow that uh, they would be back there again. Listen, if these guys were quitters, they wouldn't be here today because they had the heartbreak of losing Ulster finals, Ulster semi-finals after replays, Ulster finals after extra time by a point. And if they had been quitters, they'd have walked away at that stage. But the year we lost to Cushion Draw by a point in the Ulster final, we just had a resolve that we were going to keep banging on the door and banging on the door until we would break the door down and become Ulster champions and make history and become the first Derry team to run an Ulster. Now, the exact same thing applies here. We've got to keep coming back. There's no point in quitting. We've lost to a very, very good team. The team that was all Ireland champions two years ago. The team that four times in the last seven years have been a monster club hurling champions. These guys are no are no slouches so there's no disgrace in losing to these guys today we've improved from last year I think our, perf- our performance today was a lot better than it was in the game against Kula last year so what they've got to do is they got to come back next year with the same steely resolve to, to, to keep going at it and you know keep knocking on that door until we eventually break it down and I do believe that, that this team will do it the age profile is good there's a lot of young lads in there who you know people maybe heap too much pressure on them to deliver guys at 19, 20 years of age um, and they have a lot of learning and a lot of maturing to do and the, 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 this team is far from its peak far from its peak um, so you know we'll look at the positives this year we're back we've, we've done back to my Ulster t- uh, titles um, we'll learn from this year as we always do we always try to learn from our defeats we go away and lick our wounds uh, learn from it and I've no doubt them boys will come back next year a stronger team and, and more ready for if they can get back to this level again, they'll be more ready and more equipped for it. Now, Pearsig now head for Krug Park and St. Patrick's Day, where they'll meet a Dublin champions, Kula, who are also reigning All-Ireland champions. They went down to Thurles on Saturday evening and put on a clinic. It was, I suppose, it was a vintage display. They didn't get the goals, the goal, I should say, until late on. Substitute Brian Fitzgerald coming off the bench. But... It was a deserved win, nonetheless. You were down in Thurles, Joel. What do you make of it? Uh, yeah, Kula were impressive, to be fair to them. Um, just much the better team. Mellows were able to go almost score for score in the first half, but they were very reliant on Freeze, very reliant on um, Adrian Morris. I think he scored seven of the first eight points for them. So, uh, And just like from play, it was all Kula. Kula had the better movement up front. Conor Callaghan got four points from play. Uh David Tracy knocked over the freeze. Colin Cronin was a bit quieter than you'd expect him to be, but I think that was a lot of to do with Lee Mellow's tactics. They, uh, they had the sweeper back. They had David Collins playing as a sweeper. They tried to contain him, but unfortunately, I think they went too much in the containment side, and it really affected them up front as their tally of 11 points shows. Sure, I was actually watching it on the TG Carr player on my phone. I was uh, commuting between Parnell Park and Krug Park on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, but... At the one key moment for me was at the start of the second half, Darrell O'Connell straight off the throw in, got the ball, ran in one on one with the goalie, and it should have been a goal. He ended up putting it over the bar, but 
it was the sense that had he scored that, Kula may have kicked on one by even a lot more, and that was just like that. That was the perhaps that the score didn't fully do the Dalkey side justice. Yeah, they, it, it started the scoring run. They outscored Lee Mello six points to one in the third quarter. It started from there. Had had Darrow O'Connell got a goal, obviously it would have been it would have been much bigger than that. But uh, yeah, after a kind of a tit for tat first half, Kula really. They really showed their class there in it started the second half and then unfortunately the last ten or fifteen minutes was a bit of a foregone conclusion after that. Absolutely. Um Kula versus Napier, she gets the final. We were predicting a few months ago on the show. It's the final we've gotten. It's the final everybody wants to see. It's twenty sixteen champions versus twenty seventeen champions. It we're going to be talking about it in depth, I suppose, the week before the game, but straight out who's in better shape here. We know Paul Shute is injured. Uh, for Kula, we haven't got an update there in terms of um, Napierschig. Obviously, Connor Boylan is out. Uh, one of two players suspended for them due to the red cards. It's going to be a tight one. It's going to be a cracker. Yeah, I suppose it's the one we predicted from a long way out. Joe, we had a piece up in the site that I wrote I think early November, kind of speculated if anybody could stop these two teams. I, I didn't think so at the time, and it just it proved it proved that they couldn't. Joe Napierschig had a really tough monster campaign. Flew through that, cooler the same in Leinster, and just for the last three years, these two teams have been absolutely awesome, and it's just going to be a great final. Sure, absolutely. We uh, heard from Keno Callahan after the game as well, who was uh, happy with the performance. Yeah, I mean it was uh, tit for tat until maybe the last six or seven minutes when we kind of came clear of it. Um, like I mean, it was a really good match. Uh, you could see the the honesty in Lee Mellows. You could see that they were well up for it worked really hard. We were working hard ourselves, so hope it was a good spectacle for the spectators. You win your games comfortably in Leinster too, so you really go from minute one to the final whistle but to keep going the whole way through the game. Yeah, I mean, you, you can never let up there. The, the standard is so high and uh, once you get get out of Dublin, the standard's so high that you, you never have a second. You always have to be on, switched on. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Unfortunately, that's all we do have time for here on the 16th Man GA podcast by Pundit Arena. So my thanks to Joel for joining me. And my thanks to David Regan here on sound as well. And for myself, Brian Barry, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week.